welcome to Radio Arcadia. Chris Marcus here with you as always. Today is Wednesday, December 3rd, and I, I think we're very fortunate to have an amazing Christmas present today because we have a very special guest, his second appearance on Radio Arcadia. And let's see, amongst other things, including training Navy SEALs to make decisions with their life on the line and how to use their consciousness to make the right decision. He's studied mind control behind the, the scenes of the government. He's, he's seen science and studied consciousness at a level that I'm just now figuring out is, is possible. And, and uh, amongst other things, my nickname for him, a.k.a. the most interesting man in the world, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Are you there with us today? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> so, still here. <laughs> Ram Dass's new book, still here. <laughs> well, it's it's great to have you on again, and you know, I, I was mentioning before that I'm very excited because I actually just picked up Power Tools, which is one of your books that, and I, I was reading the description of it today, where these the Power Tools can be used for your own personal evolution. Develop the same concepts that you develop for the Navy SEALs to create super soldiers. And certainly as a lot of people are realizing there is a higher power and some rules to the universe. So I'm quite excited to go through that one today. And anyway, what's going on in your world? And now you mean from 40 years ago. These are tools that were developed over 40 years ago. It's really important to understand they really work because we've been doing them for a long time. <laughs> which, which I think most people don't know. And I mean, it's, I'll, I'll speak for myself, just finding out a lot about what it is that people were doing when they were meditating and seeing things like the men who stare at goats. And <laughs> I, I didn't even know these things were out here. And what, so, so tell, tell us a little bit about some of the training you did. And, yeah. like, what, what did you train some of them well, to okay, do? Okay, here's the deal. That men who stare at goats was arming 10 years later. Right. The Navy always did it. And in the wrong coat died. And get a grip with some general trying to run through a wall. I mean, get a grip on that, man. <laughs> Navy wouldn't have dreamed of anything like that. we just have Montauk. <laughs> Where they were stuck in between here and there. Um, back then... We wanted, we felt that the first thing, we could always train someone to be able to blow up a bridge or to buff them up on steroids. We knew how to do that. Right. And so what we really wanted was to start with intuition, the one that made, in, in critical situations, the best decisions of, you know, working. And that led to me debriefing uh, Dr. Milan Riesel. Uh, he was from uh, Czechoslovakia. He was that kind. And he was being creeped out by a bunch of Bulgarians. That was the usual problem. The Bulgarians were the thugs back then. Right. Uh, the, the East Germans were da-da-da-da-da. The research, the best research back in the early 70s was coming out of Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia. was right. not Russia. Russia was very superstitious at that time. 
we were worried about what they were doing because they had uh, studies where they were doing uh, teleportation or they could move objects. You know, there was Kaluga, she had a magnet under the thing moving things around. She was easy to bust. Every once in a while, we would discover something that was really absolutely like a whirling dervish. When they do their sword and they stick the sword right through their body, they keep dancing and there's no blood. That's Jack Schwartz, Manager Foundation, 1969. Now, really, when we did those studies, you know, Jack Schwartz could stick this needle through his arm and stop the bleeding. You don't think the military wanted to know how to do that. So these, yeah, okay. Sure we they know, did. <laughs> well, it's important, you know, how did, how did they do that? How did the Sherpa walk up the side of Mount Rainier barefoot? White Feather Shaman, like Red Feather was firewalking. Right. These were phenomena that were occurring, and are they real? And we didn't know. But because wherever there is smoke, that's when, okay, most of it didn't work out. What I discovered when I debriefed Milan result, the extrasensory perception, as we understand telepathy, clairvoyance, right, you know, the Dr. Ryan's forms of study on that, was an altered state of consciousness. And it wasn't, on, like for you, it wasn't there. It was actually more right there. And what we would do is teach you how to go to this place right here. When you did, your decision-making was like three sigma. It was outside of statistical probability. How does that work? That's when we started to understand what the enteric nervous system was in terms of neurotransmitters and a first brain. It was the brain that connects you to who you were, to who you will be, in any way you want to look at it, from past lives to, you know, archetypal encounters, right. whatever. There's, we didn't have that definition yet. What we did have is the fact that they could do something where zombies are coming at you. You just work from your gut. You would always survive. And if you started to think about it, you'd get yourself killed. Now, how does that work? Well, how you use your upper brain is that you always have scenarios. You have getting shot, getting away. The fact that you have possibilities becomes probabilities. And so now you're into statistical inference. And Would you consider the, the upper brain like the con what some people refer to as the conscious mind and then the subconscious mind being the, the other? The director of all of it. That's correct. Okay. And not sometimes being heard. And if it doesn't get heard, it creates an illness. That's Jungian psychotherapy. It's the way to get your attention. And um, it's directing the show. It's got an agenda. There is a thing called intent. This is in my new book I'm writing on the non-local mind in a holographic universe, how to literally change the movie. Now, that was what we were training SEALs to do in the early 70s. Right. And when I say that, um, <clears throat> I got to debrief uh, Dr. Milan Riesel. He came in to Seattle. I've got those old tapes. I've actually got the original tapes of that interview. And they discovered that certain forms of hypnosis would allow you to go into these states where you were outside of space and time and your decision-making was impeccable. Now, that's a divine right thing. And yet, we're so asleep, we have things like allergies. 
That's what hypnosis is used for, is to reprogram, for example, the parasympathetic nervous system. It would be kind of a drag to go over to, I don't know, Iraq and be allergic to something and sneeze at the wrong time. I mean, it's not going to work. So how do we get rid of allergies? Well, we're going to drug them up. You have to understand there are relationships in terms of how you listen to yourself. And most of us are so distracted, we could say it was an alien invasion, if you will, it's a metaphor, uh, that there's something else going on and you're not keeping your eye on the ball. Once you do that, everything you do is correct. And that's that, including dying if you have to. That is the correct thing to do. That's how that works. It is a metaphor having to do with the fact that this brain is here primarily to make everything you believe true. And the way I've heard... I wouldn't have seen it yet. The, the way you describe it almost reminds me of how what a lot of the... You, the self-development workshops teach almost that, that voice inside your head that's always worrying about things. And one of the things that I always think about is that assuming that we're here and we're alive and we're not in any agonizing pain at the moment, then it, everything that we at one point were worried about has worked out. And it's really just dissolving all those scenarios that 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 upper mind, well, what if this happens? Or what if the guy doesn't come with the bread? Or what if it snows? And all these things we worry about, which you, you train, we're training people to really, through meditation, quiet that part and get to the that supercomputer that's hidden behind it. So there you are. Okay. There are three glasses of water uh, filled with yellow liquid. One is half full, one is half empty, and the other is full. Uh, now, the half-full metaphor of looking at, look what has just been provided to me, changes the water in your body, by your mind. It structures the water, by thought alone. There's studies now at MIT on that whole thing, so I can run it down chapter and verse, but the bottom line is, if you choose to look at something as half-empty, you have just lost something. Kind of like, I'm going to try and do something means you're going to fail. Now, those words began with Bandler and Spengler and some others, I don't know. The picture's fun. It's part of a concept about internal landscape. It's like you have a garden. You are a garden. You're not human. You're 10% human. The rest of you is a bunch of bacteria and viruses and molds and, you know, trial water transport processes. You're a habitat. So it becomes correct that you are no longer what you eat. You are whom you feed. You now look at your body as a series of layers of foods, including the thoughts you choose to entertain. When you take possession of those concepts in your mind, you have just moved a level of consciousness in your relationship to yourself right out of the gate. And that is which the beginning of forming dialogue with yourself that makes you superhuman. Which, and you can, using this, you can do paranormal things. I'm talking about literally. In martial arts with Tai Chi, just controlling breath, you can have the precision of Tai Chi in the roundness of your hand and be experiencing it in slow motion like you do in a certain altered state right over there. But 
you have the precision of the roundness for word off, whatever. And with that, you can't beat someone that can box like that because their perception of their movement is precision. It's an altered state. It's not as clear in some clear in terms of where you are right now with consciousness. But using this technique, that's one of the chapters in Power Tools, was how to change your perception of time with breath. Once you could do that, you had the next scale of precision in your physical movement. Are you, are you able to, uh, obviously not violating anything confidential, but can you give any examples of some of the things that you train the soldiers to do? You mean how to be interrogated? Where, <laughs> no, I'm not in this bed with this woman. Yeah, that's, uh, listen, the book we were going to write was not Men of Steric Goats. It was the earlier one called Horny Women That Stare at Randy Old Goats. That's the book we were going to write. That's the difference in real parapsychology that was happening in the 70s to the BS that happened in the 80s. There was like a brain drain that occurred. In the 70s, it was still about, we had no idea where the research was going to go. Let's see where it goes. In the 80s, they didn't care anymore. The thinking is creepy. And you say it in our education here, You know, with Common Core. Common Core had a good concept. It's just it doesn't work because look where we are on the map with everybody else in the world, education-wise. You know, they call them. I remember when I was in grade school like you, where I had to learn Latin. And that was that. You know, sum est est, sum est 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 son. And with that said, that was something that every kid learned how to do in second grade was Latin. Yeah, that was gone by the time I got there. Yeah, most people can't even talk anymore without using an F word in every other structure. It's creepy. And slang, oh, yeah, Um, no problem. The difference between the South and uh, Midwest, yeah, and uh, golly, you know, just, it's all interesting. I am, it sets the tone for the group mind. And that's the part we want to evolve. What happened to Europe and their arts with concerts and some, you know, singing and, and uh, the classics? Uh, always was part of importance is culture. And we have given that up. I saw, when I was in Mexico, the, I saw the most unbelievable ghetto. I have never seen anything like that. It was like 100 miles of solid ghetto, Mexico City. And they had all the walls up, barrios. And I saw gangs running in the streets with weapons and probably white slavery and drugs. And yet, all the children were happy. Why? Their families were still intact. We don't even have that in America anymore. What they call us in America today is ignorant, ill-informed, and complacent. Now, we have choice on this. And there's a way that, I mean, you're all of you starting to get exactly what I'm trying to talk about. Education is the one thing you do get to take with you when you leave here. Right. Proof of it. That's why you meditate. That's why you train the mind. You don't let it just wander like it does. It's uh, it's okay. 
Once you did that, now you had a seal. Someone that was aware. And uh, awareness isn't measured in how much you know and, uh, you know, facts and things like that. There's all kinds of different kinds of awareness. Awareness is, and that's what I'm trying to suggest is distinguished differently. Um, I'm very blessed. I'm lucky because it isn't that I'm intelligent. What I am, I did on my own, just like you could do, just on your own. These protocols I developed, they all, each one of them work. You've tried the mushrooms, start with physical plan, you got to have something to launch from. Think of your physical body as a metaphor of where your spiritual body is. They're the same with more detail. And that's the truth of it. So why would you want to go to a fat doctor? <laughs> that doctor isn't going to be able to help you. Can't help himself. I, you know, metaphor. Metaphor. Well, I, I thought a great metaphor that, that we've talked about that you mentioned before was that movie Astral City where and, – and that's and, – and which raises a good question about how you said the knowledge carries over. So if we're really part of a consciousness and each journey similar to like a Neil Donald Walsh who says each – you know, we, we already know everything. It's just we're remembering. And so if after this lifetime is up and then – we go into a new consciousness perhaps in the next cycle, that when the knowledge carries over, at what point do we start to, do you think we start to acquire that knowledge? So if you're in your next life cycle at five years old, are you remembering everything that, that you're conscious of now? Or how, how do you think that works? Well, that's magical memory. In magic, that is where you have this connectivity to what you were doing in the past life what you're doing now, and you pick up where you left off on toward Mount Billions, whatever you want to call it. You're a one star in sight. For me, my joy right now, that's how you know where that is, is when you have joy, when you're feeling really good about what you're doing. That's where your value is for mankind. In my holographic model, I talk about uh, four, uh, four keys and an octave, you know, I, I mean, at seven keys, yeah, and an octave, seven chords and an octave, and, and it's metaphor like the physical plane, and then your emotional plane is the physical, but with more detail, how you really feel about something, and then the intellectual thing on the the mentat of how that's structured. Fourth is the archetypal plane. Uh, there are four more up there toward God. And that plane, the archetypal plane, is where you are me, and I am you, and I am the walrus, cuckoo kachu. That is, that place is where we're all in the same thing. And that would be the place where I could say, I can't get out of here until you do what you're supposed to do. Right. And that's, you know, we're all part of this. And what we need to do is understand the part that isn't us. And uh, good luck with that because there is a fourth genome in your blood type. <laughs> and who knows where that came from? You know, the film, good luck. Um, that's why it's called Homo sapiens sapiens now. There are four different genomes in the blood. And where did that one come from? There is absolutely no history on Earth. So it's... 
I was curious, what does that mean? That's rhesus negative, by the way. And what they call the so-called bloodlines of Christ. The thing is, uh, there's something else going on. Zen Gardner, I like him, uh, says that we're at war on multidimensional level, not just physical plane. He doesn't like bombing and things like that. And so if you were an alien, where would be the place best place to hide in plain sight where you wouldn't notice it. Be inside yourself. And maybe I could say that the war for Earth right now is going on inside each of us and that we're being distracted from what's important in our terms of life and purpose. Right. James Hellman has written an excellent book in that area, by the way. Another one of my teachers, he, he wrote The Soul's Code in Search of Character and Calling. And I have to tell you, that's what it's about. Spirit you know, spirit isn't what you do, but how you do it, that character. And, you know, little nooks and crannies on your... Coming back to the, the intention, which is what I started learning and have, have learned a lot from, from you, of really it's, you know, being able to... Well, first, setting a target somewhere. So, I mean, a lot of people think, well, I want to succeed or I want life to be good or... But being more specific and, you know, this is how I imagine my life. I'm living in this part of the world or doing this or this is my passion and being specific. And then so you set the target and then let the rest take over from there. Yeah, well, (laughs) actually, there's a chapter I'm writing right now called uh, The Stanford Argument. Okay. And it's a big philosophical argument at Stanford University between the concept of intent and intentionality. And intentionality is when Maxwell Smart said to Agent 99, I missed it by that much. Okay, so intent is what happens at the end of the day. The bottom line is you could have done it with your glass half empty kicking and screaming, (laughs) or you can do it while creating what we call karma, passion records, uh, or you could flow like Buddha, where the mountain fell on him. Oh, it came to Buddha. Yeah, the mountain came to Buddha. It's an earthquake. (laughs) Uh, It was really bad. (laughs) Buddha got it all right. Uh, The idea of allowing the universe to give to you, it's not that easy. It's not that easy for even me. It's the reason it's not that easy is because, in the metaphor, it's not that easy for me. You see, everybody is what's happening in the universe. And you're creating my reality. I could be the wise old man projection of your hallucination trying to tell you how to get a grip. <laughs> well, that, that's that, that's something I've, I've always thought about because especially when you realize that we're all electrons and particles and those other parts just <laughs> float around in there. And I've heard many, uh, many scientists say that essentially what we're experiencing as consciousness is, is almost like a, a light show or Sometimes I think of it similar to almost like a virtual reality 3D where, you know, but it's still just the the essence of who we are within us. And, you know, you could have all the money in the bank, but if you get dropped off in a jungle where 
you just, you know, accidentally hurt the wrong person and they're angry. It doesn't. So the, and that's and that's why I, I like your. That, I mean, that was triple X. <laughs> and that's why I like your your movie analogy because sometimes when I've been in situations that have been felt very stressful, you know, well, certainly it doesn't seem to feel good at the time. Although I also know that I can choose how I perceive something. And going back to that that view that well, every time I've been worried about something, I've eventually overcome it because I'm still alive today. Well, you know, imagine. Imagine if I had not gone kicking and screaming, and I like how you say with the movie, whereas wherever we are, that's where we are, whether the bank account says this or... That movie, too. That was called Beyond Thunderdome. (laughs) No matter where you go. (laughs) Kind kind of like that show Quantum Leap. Do do, do you remember the the show Quantum Leap back in the the 90s? I do, yeah. Where it's like you're just thrown into that, and maybe that's what this purpose, this journey we're on, where we're thrown into these different scenarios where wherever you are today. If they're used, you know, I I just had a thought on Quantum Leap. After that was sliders, and now it's interstellar in terms of trying to give you a glimpse of what it would be like to go into five space, to the next level. We're in four space right now, where consciousness hangs out, in uh, length, girth, and width with some time involved, four space. And uh, five space started with quantum leap, all the different possible different scenarios they count, you know, and then in a different body. And then they had sliders where you had different universes. And then in interdimensional, at the end of the movie, is at the Akashic Records, which is this big library, go figure. <laughs> it's a library from the metaphor. He's pushing books, books out of the thing in a way to talk to his daughter's subconscious. That's a good metaphor of the way mm-hmm. it's happening with you right now. You have these urges and instincts. That's where we started with Navy SEAL. If they had a strong instinct, that we could do everything else. It was wonderful. I, I, uh, because these guys that I got to meet, I met some astronauts that went through my program also, and then some others, uh, some others. <laughs> but it was the first units of sale. They did it out of Amherst and then the UW. And we did, uh, had laboratories, biofeedback labs, where we would teach them how to control their heart rate or pulse, temperature. Imagine being in a boat out in the Bering Sea, missing your pickup. And what are you going to do now in terms of survival? You know, you got three days for water. So, and the temperatures were below freezing. You had to learn how to change your body temperature so that you wouldn't go into thermal shock. It, it, it's funny you mentioned that so just mentioned just the other day because it's getting very cold here in Denver and. And I, I've noticed how you, you go out and, and you're hit with that cold, but eventually, you know, I'll start thinking about times where I've been worn or, or picture a, a fire and, and, and exactly like what you're saying. I, I noticed that once you change, and that's really how powerful the mind is. I know. Denver is going to get cold this year. We're right now in Oregon, just like the, from the geoengineering, we're right now at one half our water, and there's no snow again this year in the Siskiyous. 
They didn't even open the ski resort last year. Hmm. Weather changes. California sucks. What's Denver doing for well, water we, and snow? Are you on? Are you on schedule or are you off? Well, I'm. I'm working on it. Um, although, no, it, although we did have the, the cold here, we had a couple of records. I, I've experienced what negative eight is like. That was a new. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. Uh, and, and that's a, that's another thing I've heard you speak about before that I I think people are also starting to find out about is that there are there there is actually weather control in a degree to which and, and how does that work can the can the government say we want it to be cloudy here we want it to be cold I hear Katrina many people say was caused by some of these harp devices that they have up in Alaska um, how does how does that work how much is real of what we hear I don't know I, I, I don't know how it works I don't know how much is real let's go down to what I do know um, geoengineering is a reality when the US government closed down out of money locked up everything they locked up war memorials so that people in wheelchairs couldn't go to them and yet you could look up there and they were still laying down chemtrails who is paying for that. Okay, that was where my vector led to the United Nations. There's your new world order. Um, right. They have excuses. There are eight different kinds of geoengineering that I have discovered, one of which is weapons, and we'll talk about that in a minute if you'd like. Uh, one is <laughs> Monsanto and their new aluminum-resistant genetics, GMOs. How's that one so it, they, they've, they've created um, food that, because I, I hear from the chemtrails that it's aluminum and barium, and but now yeah, Monsanto right, is creating GMO food that can resist that. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it gets better. It gets better. Because there's all kinds of possibilities, including bio-API. What they're doing now, they took, originally, uh, in the early years, they took, what are called extremovites. These are a bacteria that lives up in the stratosphere. There's a habitat up there. Believe it or not, there's bacteria up there. They're called extremovites. Um, 100 below Fahrenheit, you know, multiplying. And so they brought it down to Earth and they modified it so that it became like a little nanobot, it creating a polymer, polymer plastic. The plastic structure that this little extremovite creates is a way to hold, when they line it with barium oxide, uh, will hold and desiccate moisture out of the atmosphere, create an artificial cloud. That artificial cloud becomes a waveguide. Uh, they no longer need to use harp. They direct their energy beams from space using these little resonant cavity oscillators or in certain frequency bands. It, it you know, goes like that. It's a weapon for deploying delivery. Um, originally, harp was used to try to do that. It didn't work very well. This works much better. Who is paying for that? United Nations. How does that work? This is where transnational corporations become countries. And different countries have different kinds of weapons and deployment of different kinds of attack. And so war is probably never going to be on a physical plane anymore. That will be one of the good things that comes out of this thing. We won't need nuclear weapons. We've got something better. 
you know, it'll be uh, possibly a fullerene uh, fusion bomb that you breathed into your air and it's now impregnated your body and you are a loaded and rock and roll ready to go if someone chose to just well, it's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because, because I've thought before about how it doesn't seem like these politicians have become any more moral than than they used to be. And if you know, you had guys like Hitler and 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 people who made still the decision to drop. To, I still don't understand the rationale to actually drop not one but two nuclear weapons. And but when you see that their mentality hasn't really changed, and then through a lot of the things that I've seen you research, you know it, it really is like the the nuclear World War Three has been going on. Just we didn't know about it, but the things that now we're finding out that people put in the food or the, the things that we're breathing, and I hear that fluoride in my water and toothpaste. I, I hear basically calcifies the pineal gland so really is blocking that intuition that is really what we're trying to connect with here so there it is um the pineal gland is associated uh with um, what rick strassman would say is how the brain creates god how you would talk to god i find it interesting that these MEO and dimethyltryptamine is found in the simplest and most common plants, crabgrass. It's like all of a sudden it's no longer about chemistry, it's a delivery system on how God can talk, for example. And I'm not advocating dime and ayahuasca and creepy stuff over there, but the constructs of your brain chemistries and what they're there for. Um, I've tried to write about that in the workbook where I talk about Leary's neurologic circuits. That's the, the workbook that writer. comes along with power tools. Yes, and okay. there are two I got more that too, and I that have not come out yet. That are workbook two and three that will come out this year as part of my need for a paper. And I have a whole bunch of books ready to go. But the, work, the workbook uh, actually usually. Huh? But the the workbook. So if. If people get power tools, then they have the workbook. They can actually begin developing a lot of these skills oh, yeah, and abilities are, uh, that we're talking uh, about. Eight basic protocols are in the book. And then there were side things we used, like mythic living, where you look at things in metaphor. For example, when I restored my 280Z, it is a kind. Uh, it was the car that won the steeplechase up Pike Speak in 1976. <laughs> I've got that car. <laughs> and what I did is I restored it. And, but when I did it, I restored myself as a metaphor. When I put a rust panel in the left place because of where it all leaked, I replaced my left knee. You know, there was metaphor in the way I or right, yeah. And I have to say that when you do things in relationship to something else, whether it's this relationship of it, it's richer and is more literal in terms of going through all phases of the hologram, you know, in terms of consciousness. And so it's the way I relate to my car now. It's a lot differently than if it were just something I restored because it was worth a lot of money or something of that nature. It's not about money. It's about your relationship to things and yourself. 
Wow, and that wraps up part one of our interview with the great Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Check back to Radio Arcadia on www.arcadiaeconomics.com for part two, which is going to be posted shortly. And just wait until you hear what the great doctor had to say in a second.